0: Welcome to the M.A. Roadshow, episode number 300. That's right, 300. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me this week. He's on vacation, enjoying a little time up north with the family for the holidays, spending Christmas with the family, doing that sort of thing, so... He's out. So you'd say, well, why don't we turn to the man Hot T? He's been the uh, the MVP of 2020, right? I mean, Oscar Willis from the World MMA Award nominated The Mac Life. Obviously, he's done a lot of work with the appreciate all his time this year and everything that he's done. But he, well, he's back with his family as well. He's in England right now, so he's out of the mix. Me, I'm home in Las Vegas and just rolling solo. That's how we do here because, you know, we don't stop. 300 consecutive weeks since the day we started never missed a single week i'm proud of that i'm proud it may seem like a little thing but i'm proud of that As i always said i want to deliver consistency i want to be part of the routine right you know just be a familiar voice to listen to once a week twice a week if you get the and a half over at patreon.com slash them road but well, we've been able to do it 300 consecutive weeks without a break now there's good and bad to that. The good, I'm proud of myself. Like I said, I wanted to have some consistency. I wanted to make sure we were delivering every week, get people used to it, and then uh well, unfortunately, uh you don't get to pick your schedule when you do that. <laughs> you know, normally you'd say, Oh, three hundred, that's a big one, man. We gotta we gotta do something together, you know, we gotta big do it up. That's it's Christmas Eve as I sit down to do this. Uh, so the timing of that was a, was a little bit odd, but we've never missed a holiday. We always do Thanksgiving, Christmas. I guess we'll end up doing uh, New Year's as well. But, man, cold coffee will be back in Las Vegas for that one. And, uh, by the way, we got a little little latchkey brewing on hand for next week when we get back together. So uh, my man Anthony Beach sent us over some solid frosty beverages. So we'll end up doing that next week with, uh, with all of us back together. But, in the meantime, uh it's just me. <laughs> and let me just say, I'm, I'm I'm proud that it's just me, and I'll, I'll thank my wife for giving me a little opportunity to, to get away. The way we we do family uh Christmas around here is Christmas Eve is the big one, not Christmas Day. So uh that's the way my wife was brought up that you know, kind of the twenty fourth is the big one. So, you know, we'll do all of our presents tonight. Normally we cook a big meal and all that, but we're gonna go out to eat. I haven't been eating out much lately, but she doesn't feel like uh, doesn't feel like doing the big meal for just us, so we're gonna head out and have some dinner here in a little bit, and we'll do some presents with the kid, and then uh, wake up on Christmas Day. And I actually have to uh, have to work on Christmas Day, so uh, if you're if you're online and want to give me a shout, I'll be around, man. I gotta we don't be doing a ton of work at, at MMA Junkie, but you gotta have a little bit of content on the site, so I'll be working on Christmas uh, since it's not a big day for our family. I always volunteer to work on Christmas and let people take the day off as long as I can be guaranteed to get the night before off so that we're good with my wife. So that's what we'll do. That's what's coming on this week and next. In the meantime, uh, our house is is a a bit like a crack house right now. It's hilarious. My wife has been selling these. got to respect her hustle, man. She's been selling these hot cocoa bombs uh, to make like hot chocolate or these handmade little chocolate. I don't know if you've seen them or not. I guess they're all popular. I'm not the big crafty guy, but uh, drop them in there, pour some hot milk or hot water on it or whatever, and it turn it makes this decorative ball turns into hot chocolate. Anyway, she's sold a ton of them man. But there's there's people coming over today getting their last second little gifts in. This is like there's a car pulling up like every ten minutes or so. I feel like we got a crack house. I'm sure our neighbors think we got some drug deals going on or something. Uh but credit to her for uh for hustling. So uh yeah, that's our that's our Christmas Eve. We're gonna go have dinner in a little bit. And then we'll put the little man to bed and then uh you know, Santa will come give us a little visit overnight, we hope. And uh do all those presents in the morning so hope everybody's enjoying their christmas the holidays whatever it is you're doing at home man hopefully you're enjoying the time off i uh, it's funny man i kept saying i was looking forward to the break of uh of you know getting away. we've been doing ufc events every single weekend I th- you know what man i'm i'm good you know i need i need a little break i'm, I'm fine you know we've been doing this routine and you know, go get tested and then go do your weigh-ins and then go get tested again and quarantine the morning and do, you know. yeah, it's just kind of gotten into a routine and I enjoy it, man, I feel fortunate to be able to do it, but it was every single week and I was like, man, I'm ready for a little break, you know, I'm ready to, ready to slow it down a little bit and, and nah, <laughs> I'm already over it, man, <laughs> seriously, already over it, like, uh, we're, you know, a week removed already i'm like what am i gonna do this weekend i got nothing going on man there's nothing to look forward to so uh i'm already over the break man let's, let's let's get back to doing stuff uh a couple weeks i guess we'll get it all going but we'll start getting it going for uh for 2021 just staying busy around the house in the meantime i finally i finally let my kids start playing fortnite i was always like i ah, shouldn't play that game too young for that and then finally I was like, well, I've never even watched it. Like, let me see what it's about. So he downloaded it. And I was like, "Ah, that's not that bad. Well, I mean, why not let him play it a little bit? So he's been playing like 14 hours a day for the last couple of days. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you know, there's no school. It's Christmas break. Can't really go do anything. Everything's closed. So, yeah, he's playing like 14 hours a day at Fortnite. So that's, that's what's going on in the Morgan household. Hopefully your household is uh, – a little bit more exciting or you're doing the best you can for your holidays. So, listen, no fights to talk about right now. There are a couple little events we'll, that we'll touch on that put on your radar, but it seems to me, honestly, the biggest story this past week that everybody's been wanting to talk about is this Dana White video, right? Slamming the media, just absolutely taking us to task for our, our attitude and our coverage uh, of the UFC this this uh, week, so, or this year, I should say. Um, I got to say, man, I saw a lot of people get really worked up about it. I don't know why, man. I mean, I guess it's just kind of me and my nature that I try to. I'm pretty even keel overall, but honestly, I didn't have that big of an issue with it. You know, I saw a lot of people going off. I mean, Big John McCarthy on his podcast with Josh Thompson, man, he was just dropping fire, man. I mean, it's just spitting at him. Uh, you know, and a couple other, uh, you know, other journalists online, you know, uh, saw some rants and some complaints and that sort of thing. Even, you know, we talked about it on the spinning back click, and I feel like. Um, you know, even my colleagues, you know, Mike Bond, George Garcia, uh, you know, they took a little bit more offense at this whole thing than I did. Um, so I, it's interesting. I, you know, it certainly wasn't perfect. I didn't think it was completely accurate. And I, maybe it's, maybe part of it is that, I don't know, I I wasn't, like if I was one of those people that were singled out as a target of the, of the criticism, you know, I mean, you had people's pictures and faces and bylines and, audio clips and all that, you know, and, and, um, you know, my, 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 the only, the uh, the only time mine was used was my voice and asking the question about the New York Times article, uh, when Dana dropped the infamous line that they used in the video where he just kept saying over and over, I don't give a, (laughs) so I, you know, maybe, maybe it's because I wasn't singled out that I don't take offense to it. I mean, if I was, maybe my attitude would be a little bit different, so I'll, I'll put that up there, number one, but. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you should take these things personal, and I, I don't know that they're 100% wrong. Now, a couple of things I didn't like about it. First of all, you know, it starts out, and, and and I and I said the same thing back when the documentary came out in Fight Island. You know, I thought the documentary on Fight Island, that four-part series, was really really well done. But what I didn't like at the beginning was just how it was like, you know, kind of dear leader type stuff, right? We're like, ah, oh, this is this man is the greatest man of all time. He's the greatest. You know, that that part I didn't really like, and. Even when this one, when it talks about you know all the sports were shut down, and then it says one leader sought a way forward and was attacked for even trying. Um, That part I didn't love. That seems a little bit self-serving. Now I don't know if Dana's, you know, was actually. responsible for writing any of this. I mean, certainly he had to approve it. Like, this stuff doesn't get published without him saying, yeah, I'm good with it. So he certainly could have said, hey, that's that's a bit much. To me, you know, if, if that thing comes out and just says one organization sought a way forward, you know, one brand – decided that it wasn't – something like that where you where you really say – because, I mean, look, this was a team effort. I mean, Dana was at the helm, and there's no question about it. That it was his drive and determination um, and willingness to invest that got this whole thing done. But there's a lot of people on the ground that were responsible for getting everything done as well. And so, I don't know. I, I think if you just said, you know, one organization to turn, was determined to move forward or something like that. I, to me, I think that would take a lot of um, – you know, the the personalness of this, I guess, out of it. You know, if they're just talking about if they're big up in themselves. But let me say this, too, man. I remember when this whole thing was going on, when it was first playing out back in April and May. Um, and I've talked about this before, but I still stand by it. I feel like a lot of people – I mean, yes, the pandemic was a concern. Yes, COVID-19 was a concern. But I feel like a lot of people use the entire situation as just an opportunity to take shots at Dana. Like, here's Dana saying – you know basically going against the face of what everybody else is saying when everybody else is saying shut down he's saying we're going to find a way uh you know starting out with the Tachi Palace stuff eventually turning to Jacksonville um and you know the the <laughs> People, because he was putting himself out on an island, so to speak, I mean, I was trying to find another way to say it, because obviously Fight Island, it sounds like I'm trying to be stupid, make a joke there, but I'm not. But because he put himself out there a little bit, you know, and and, and said was on the leading edge of saying, like, we're, we're going back, we're going to do this, um, I think people – you know saw that as easy like oh this dude's out there you know doing his own thing against the face of what other people are saying and it's easy to take shots at him and that hey everybody can say now no 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 no, we weren't doing that we did it wasn't personal we were just concerned about the health and safety of the athletes i know you were i know a lot of people were concerned about the health and safety of the athletes me me included and i was in favor of the tachy pal stuff and that's what i think people what's interesting to note is that now I've said this. I mean, and this—that's the whole thing about this—is there's a there's no black and white here. Like I do think that Dana White was invited a lot of this on himself, because if you remember at the time, he was just like, hey, we got it figured out. We got it. We got it under control. We're going to do this. You know, they they were creating a bubble at Tachi Palace. I mean, that, that's the thing that it, it kind of gets reinvented as you, or reimagined as you look back in history. Like, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, they didn't have any safety protocols in place, but we supported Jacksonville because there were safety protocols in place. That's not true either. There were safety protocols in place. I had been talking to the USC officials behind the scene because I was expecting to be on site. I needed to know what to expect. I needed to know what to tell my family. I needed to know what was going on and there were you know, was it the level of Abu Dhabi safety protocol? No, it wasn't. Was it all still being figured out? Yes it was. But they didn't share any of that publicly. And I think they invited a lot of that on themselves. So um, I don't know. It just I can kinda understand Dana I know he felt personally attacked at the time. And I do think a lot of people were just using it to take pot shots at him. So I don't I don't blame him for kinda you know to steal a phrase from the kids, I like guess, clapping back a little bit, right? Like, I don't mind them coming back and, and, and shoving it in people's faces and saying, oh, you wanted to doubt me? Here we go. Now, the timing of the release of this, you know, seven months after this all began, I, I feel like everybody now is pretty much, I mean, I, I say that, I guess there are still a lot of people that say, oh, you know, they're testing positive for COVID, so what are you doing wrong? I, I don't know. I feel like now the the, the majority of the media, though, has bought into the fact that the UFC is doing the best they can, that they're, they're doing the right things. I mean, look, I, I think there's constant uh, adjustments, right? Like, you know, these tighter restrictions that, that they held in Vegas for the last cards um, in the face of all these t- t- positive tests, hopefully they keep that up in, in, uh, in February when we come back to Vegas, you know, January is going to be on Fine Island. Hopefully they keep these, these restrictions up. But um, I think most people believe now the media included that DOC is doing the best they can and, and they've done an admirable job and they've, they've, they've taken this seriously. Um, so the timing of kind of attacking him now, I mean, I know that he's wanted to release videos like this for a long time. So I don't know that part to me just felt a little bit weird, but again, it's just, I don't know why it would upset people so much. I mean, the UFC did get to brag a little bit. Um, Zero jobs lost to the UFC is a a big deal. It really is. Um, The other thing I didn't like, though, and and I just, you know, there's this quote from Dana in the end that talks about the the media and the clickbait business and negativity is our product. (sighs) I mean, listen, there is some truth to that in terms of negativity seems to sell. It seems to click better. It seems to skew better. But I can tell you that it's not like we're having meetings as a as an editorial staff and saying, "Hey, man, let's make sure we you know we 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 pick up on the most negative stuff." We can't. It's just not. But I mean, what's going to click more? Like a story of Conor McGregor's arrest, or or a story of Conor McGregor you know donating stuff to a hospital, which he's done. But what gets clicks? What gets the views? Is it? the arrest or the charitable contributions well you know it's going to be the arrest every single time and i mean it's not that we necessarily want to cover that stuff i know i sure don't i don't really want to be writing about fighters arrest records and stuff but people do care and you know unfortunately we do have you know it's not a i mean we have salaries to pay we have benefits to pay you know what i mean and we don't charge anybody for the content. You know, we're not a subscription based product. So yeah, our revenue is generated off clicks. There's no doubt about it. Now, I think there's a you know, a real responsibility in being responsible at how we present things and I think the media should always be up for evaluation and and, and to answer. The term clickbait gets thrown around a whole lot when it's when it's not. Like a good headline that makes you click, that's not clickbait. That's a good headline. <laughs> you know, clickbait is promising one thing and it not being there, delivering something else. False, you know, false uh, advertising, so to speak. That's, that's, that's un- unacceptable. You know, giving something a snazzy headline that grabs your attention, that's not clickbait. That's a good headline. <laughs> that's the point of the headline is to get you to click on the story because you go, hmm, I want to read more about that. That is not clickbait. Um, you know, the, the <laughs> The video, to me, is kind of clickbait, you know, because it's talking about things that are, are old, I think, you know, opinions that are old. I mean, certainly all those video clips and stuff that they took were from way back in April and May. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, opinions from journalists that may have changed seriously over the past seven months, you know, or or, or that were formed just at the beginning of all this. So, the video, to me, felt unnecessary, and I do think that there were some inaccuracies in it. Um but I don't know. I, I don't I don't understand the, the the outrage over it, I guess if I'm being honest. Like it's a promoter making a video promoting his company and promoting himself. And the company as, as I said all along, like it or not, the company did earn a right to take a victory lap. They they earned the right to kinda wag it in people's faces. Look what we did. Look what we did. Look what you did when you said when you when you said we wouldn't, especially. They kinda earned that right. So I don't know. It didn't bother me. I was kind of surprised it became as big of a of a deal as it has. It seems like it's been kind of a, a dominating story. And as I said, man, Big John McCarthy, a guy that I've uh, I've known for a long time and I like a lot. Uh, man, that dude was just unleashing fire on Dana White. So uh, I guess they don't have to work together anymore. So it won't be a problem. I mean, with, with Big John over at Bellator. You know, it's not like he has to go in and ref a UFC fight or anything. But, uh, yeah, man, I was, I was like, wow, don't hold back, man. <laughs> and Big John won't. That's one thing people like about Big John McCarthy, man. He's going to tell you how he feels, like it or not, man. He's going to be direct with you. So you got to respect him for that. But I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I saw him, and I'm not criticizing Big John or, or targeting him specifically. I just happened to be reading the story earlier before we sat down and watched that video. I was like, whoa, uh, but I had seen the media on uh, on social media as well, and like I said, I'll I'll be honest. Maybe if if my name had been included there as a target, maybe I would have felt a little differently. Um, I know that I was one of the few people that always felt like, you know, it was okay to hold events that we were just going to have to hold them with certain protocol, you know, and that's kind of what I what I said from the very beginning. You know, I I didn't I wasn't a fan necessarily of trying to do the show on uh, on Indian land, at Atachi Palace. I mean, I did feel like that was a little bit of a step in the wrong direction. In terms of the UFC has has thrived, you know, to, to be known as a legitimate sport and thrive for regulation and legitimacy, and that would have been a move to me in the wrong direction, where it's basically like you're skirting around um, a governmental agency to to do this card. Like I didn't I didn't love the idea of that, but I did understand that that was like the only way it was going to get done, and I didn't see a reason why it couldn't be done. So I didn't I, I didn't love the look of it. I didn't love the aesthetics of it. But I didn't hate that that's what was going to have to happen. I mean, if that's the way you do it, that's the way you do it. So, um, I don't know. I I know that I've been in in a little bit different position than a lot of people during this whole thing. And maybe, you know, it's because I do have an intimate point of view in seeing how the UFC conducts themselves and how they're committed to it and how – just because, you know, Dana is a little bit brash sometimes and make it seem like, don't worry, we got this – it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of people behind the scenes that aren't actually working on the full logistics of what has to be done to execute. So anyway, uh, I guess enough about that. It was kind of funny how much of a story it became. But that's what happens when you don't have fights, damn it. <laughs> that's what happens when there's no fights to have. So uh, that's where we ended up. Fight Island, you know, kind of touching on that, mentioning it. Uh, just updates, you know, to be honest with you, it's, once again, it's hard to get information. It's been like this every single time the last two times we went out. And again, I understand it because I've talked to the people behind the scenes. I mean, these are you know constant negotiations between the UFC, uh, Abu Dhabi, You know the, the safety personnel over there. I mean... Of course, as we said all along, you know the Abu Dhabi wants to host these events because you know it shows them as a premium destination. You know it shows them as one of the world leaders, right? Like no sporting events can happen, but here in our bubble, you know everybody is safe, everybody's back, and that's that's why they were willing to invest uh, the money and the time and and you know the logistics into everything getting done for these last two fight island runs. Well, the UAE at this point is is kind of back for business, you know what I mean? Like, they're kind of getting back to life as normal over there. Um, now of course, I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've been talking to people, and, you know, they're they're reopening. Of course, if you followed along with our coverage during Fight Island the second time, we told you they were trying to open that arena, Eddie Hot Arena, and they continue to try to open that arena, Eddie Hot Arena, with fans. The thing is, we still don't know, like, are fans going to be in there? Are, you know, so right now I can tell you this. Like, I know that I think the idea is – that we leave here on January eighth, um, and and we fly to uh, to Abu Dhabi. Same thing, the charter bubble, all that. But they're working out. You know, we, the bubble shrunk last time uh, from the first to the second. I think it's going to shrink even further this time because you know their government is kind of back open. I mean, they've you know tested the hell out of everybody. I think they were testing the Russian vaccine over there. Um, you know, I don't know how much that's. You know, I haven't researched their, you know, their their COVID response overall, but I do know that they were testing the the Russian vaccine. You know, I don't know how much that's played a part into it or whatever, but, you know, they've been able to limit this thing. And so they're, they're trying to get back over business, but the UFC can't just go over there and be like, ah, well, everything's good in the UAE and the UAE has to be careful too, right? Because they've controlled everything. But now you're bringing in people from all over the world, right? You're bringing in, all, you know, from literally all corners of the world. And, and so certainly that, you know, raises the risk of infection. So, you know, I don't know what the details are going to be, um, if there's going to be fans, what our bubble is going to look like. Um, you know, that's only a couple weeks out, and I don't know uh, what hotel we'll be staying at. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. First of all, i got to get my passport. <laughs> and i'm going to nervous laugh at that a little bit i'm trying to be in in touch with the passport office and work with them if i don't get my passport back uh which i mailed off in november to renew i don't know what's going to happen at that point uh but you know we'll we'll put that off for another week hopefully by next week we'll know a little bit more oh jesus christ that's so close um oh god (laughs) i just got myself worried just thinking about that what a scramble that'll be um Knock on wood, baby. Knock on wood. Let's get that. Let's get that passport in. But we don't know if there's going to be fans now. The only thing we really have to go on at this point, in terms of if you want to call it certainty, is uh, Dana White. His Instagram. Boy, Dana White's Instagram is all. This is, what this is all about. If we labeled our shows, that would be it. Dana White's Instagram. Uh, but he's doing a, a giveaway with with Hallerhead. Um, and by the way, if you're one of those creative tights, I'd love to see a a, a great MMA fan win this, man. Hallerhead dot com slash contest and you basically have to come up with a commercial for them either either a photo like just an image that you could run as a print ad or a video ad there's a whole host of rules of like you know brands you can't show and I was I was actually looking at it earlier it's crazy how much because I guess they want to probably be I'm assuming they want to be able to use your thing as an ad um but bottom line you you win this thing uh, you and a friend so it's two seats on the plane uh, Seats at the event, all three events, including the Conor McGregor fight. Um, I mean, so it's just, you know once in a lifetime type stuff, man. And you know, it, dude, I think it'd be so cool for some kind of videographer to. I mean, there's so many cool like videos and stuff made. Um, or, you know, all these fan submission videos and um, you know the highlight videos and stuff that people make. I'd love to see somebody make something cool. Um, but anyway, in that video, Dana talks about you know, and hey, you'll win seats to the fight. Uh, Best seats in the house. And then he goes, the only seats in the house. You know, seats you can't buy at an event you can't go to. So, that would lead me to believe that at least when they were filming that commercial, Dana and the UFC intend for there to be no fans. But, we know the government of Abu Dhabi wants to have fans they want to open that brand new arena eddie hot arena they want to you know unveil it to the world and they want to show the world like hey we're back we're back and we're doing things at 100 and again it's all about you know it's all about marketing their their advertising right i mean um they want to show the world man if if you want to go someplace fancy if you want to go someplace amazing that Abu Dhabi is uh is your is your destination. So I'm kind of interested to see how that all plays out behind the scenes. You have two partners that in the UFC and Abu Dhabi that certainly believe in each other and certainly have a wonderful working relationship and certainly are helping each other, but that I think may have some slightly different goals at the end of the tunnel, you know, at least in this particular moment in time overall absolutely you know dana i think they're going to make this an international fight week and you know dana in, in the in the future i think they want to kind of do you know maybe they do one in vegas a year and one in abu dhabi or maybe they don't even do vegas anymore maybe they just do abu dhabi you know who knows um so we'll see so there you go not really sure yet how it's going to look i mean they could easily put on tickets for sale you know that week if they had to you know, Conor McGregor, biggest star in the history of the sport, man, it would sell. People would want to be there. You know, partial crowd, VIP tickets only, got a lot of money over there. So But we don't know right now. We don't know. I know on the ESPN's website where they do their MMA listings, it does say Flash Forum on there, which of course is where we've done all the other events. But um uh, January January twentieth also says uh, AB, uh says ESPN plus where Uh, Nolan King and myself found out that it looks like, you know, no no official announcement made, but ABC is going to host that car, which how phenomenal is that? The UFC returns to network television to kick off 2021 one week before the the big pay-per-view. So, um, you know, it's basically like a huge commercial on network television. To just pump up that Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier fight the following Saturday on pay per view. Uh, oh, I said the twentieth. That was wrong. So I the sixteenth is the first one, January sixteenth. Uh, Holloway versus Cater. Uh, you know that, like I said, ESPN's website says that's going to be on ESPN Plus, which it was. We we have reason to believe that it will likely be on ABC. That's been uh, you know not been official yet. So, so the fact that it says Flash Forum, I don't know. I mean, is that an assumption? Is that just somebody filling out a data field? Who knows. Um so we'll see. I mean, I would love it would be pretty amazing for there to be a crowd for, for Connor McGregor to fight. You know, I mean that's 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 what Connor McGregor does. You know, no offense to anybody else. Not that Dustin Poirier wouldn't enjoy fighting in front of a crowd or it wouldn't be cool to have a crowd back regardless, but you know, Connor's on a different level in terms of fan interaction and stardom and, and that sort of thing. So to have a crowd would be great, but you gotta do it safe, right? You gotta do it safe. Um, so we'll see what they end up doing. So we don't know. We we still know, and we still know what the co-main event is. And I told you guys a while back that the plan is to do uh, Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje as the co-main event. All-action fight, incredible fight. Plus, you kind of got a backup in place um, if anything happens with with Poirier and McGregor. Uh, certainly, you know wouldn't wouldn't be. The same if you didn't have a Conor McGregor fight. But, you know, at you, 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 you got opportunities, right? And, again, look, I still am not convinced that this won't be for a title of some kind at some point. I mean, they're already training for five rounds in that main event. So to add an interim tag to it, to add an undisputed tag to it, you could still do it the week of the fight. So, anyway, but that fight is not coming together. And we, we saw a report out of New Zealand that Dan Hooker is stepping in there. if you notice, we haven't run that on MMA Junkie yet. And it's not that we didn't see the report, and it's not that we haven't been able to try Uh, Or that we haven't been trying behind the scenes to to get that verified. It's just that uh, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it, and um, you know, kind of limited in what we can say and what I mean, what is factual. Not my understanding is that basically, you know, trying to get a a contract done with Justin Gaethje as well. I think he was up for renewal, and so they're trying to get that all ironed out. And they got to get it all ironed out before he can sign. I think Dan Hooker is, you know, kind of the backup plan. Um, And, and you know, I imagine he is training right now, just just in case. Just in case. But I have not been able to verify that that is the intention or that that is the plan right now, but that it's kind of the backup plan Um, and and that, you know, the the Gaethje Chandler fight is not entirely off the table. Um, So we'll see. And listen, (laughs) Chandler Hooker would be a hell of a fight too, man. No complaints whatsoever. So, uh, you know, I I don't want to – I definitely don't want to say anything bad about Justin Gaethje because the man deserves – I've said all along – I've been a fan of that guy since World Series and we all said – dude's got to rack up as much money as he can because he ain't going to be able to that is a dude that can't fight for 20 years not the way he fights i know he's you know getting better at being you know less reckless and that sort of thing but just that fighting style man it's not going to hold up over the course of 20 years and he knows that you know he said i got a couple battles left you know um so he's got to maximize his income um i i think he's he realizes the ufc can move on without him he's not a guy that can't be replaced or who's you know, whose value is so high that if it's, you know, it would cost the UFC millions. Um, would a Chandler-Hooker fight be less successful? I mean, as a co-main event, I don't think it matters, to be honest with you. I mean, Conor McGregor is, is guaranteed at the box office. He's bringing everything out. So, what's in the co-main event, I don't think it matters, if I'm being honest. And no disrespect to any of the other lightweights in the division. You know, they're all stars on their own, but I don't know that any of them, you know, bring somebody to the table. Like, I don't know of many people that are like, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about this poirier McGregor thing. I don't know if I'm going to buy that pay-per-view or not. Like, oh, what's that? Oh, Gaethje's in the comment? I'm definitely in. Now, a hardcore fan, I mean, that's certainly going to get you excited, right? Oh, man, anytime you see Justin Gaethje's name in there, you know, whew, we're getting fireworks, baby. Let's sign up and watch that. But is it a situation where I didn't know if I was going to buy that pay-per-view just for poor A. McGregor? But, you know, when I heard it was Chandler Hooker in the co-main, I was like, "Ah, I don't know. And then when I heard it was Chandler Gage, I go, ah, now I'm sold. You know what I mean? So I don't mean that to be in any kind of disrespect to any of those fighters involved, but I just don't feel like any incremental sales value is added. Now, if it wasn't Conor McGregor in the main event, you know, if, if, let's say that was the main event, do I feel like. If it had to be on pay per view, let's say it was for an interim title. If it had to be on pay per view, would Chandler Gaethje sell better than Chandler Hooker? I do. I think so. I think so. And that's no criticism of Dan Hooker. I'm a huge Dan Hooker fan, um, but I think the name value of what gaethje made been able to accomplish in in recent months, it probably would sell better. It probably would sell better. That probably, be, you know, obviously that that wouldn't be a massive pay per view because those aren't the biggest stars in the sport, but. You know, if that was the main event, would there be incremental value in that? Yeah. Yeah, probably so. But I just don't think on a UFC two fifty seven card it's gonna matter. So um I just hope that Justin's not using that as a leverage tool because I think yeah, I don't think it'll work. I don't think it'll work. Um, but listen, he's got Ali Abdelaziz as his manager. Um, Ali's got a great relationship with the UFC brass. He also understands the value. He's got so many clients in the UFC. He understands payment structures and financial uh, upsides and, and better than just about anybody. So I'm sure they'll, they'll get the best possible uh, contract that they can. I'm just, <laughs> no disrespect to the business side, but I'm just looking at the fight side, right? I'm just trying to think, like, let's get this bad boy done so we know what fights we're going to be looking at. So that's the Fight Island update. Just send good vibes. If you know anybody at the passport office, if you know anybody <laughs> that does that, you want to you wanna give them a little holler for your boy and just say, hey, man, if you could look at that stack over there and find one that says Morgan and kind of rush that one through a little bit, uh, I certainly would appreciate it. Speaking of financial arrangements, how about Anthony Pettis heading to the PFL? Man, crazy. I thought, I thought he might stay. If, I was, if, I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest, I thought he might stay. I definitely know that you know he wanted to get as many you know offers on the table as possible, right? I said it you know earlier. He's going into his last contract or maybe one of his last two contracts or something like that, right? Maximize your value. Go ahead, test the free agent market, man. Bet on yourself. Get every offer you can and see what's on the table. Ultimately, I thought he might stay with the UFC. I thought he might be, you know, kind of one of those Zufa lifers, so to speak. You know, started with the WC, uh, came to UFC. And I thought, you know, he's been there so long, former champ. You know, maybe he sticks out and he's he's a lifer. But I thought, you know, Bellator might be a spot for him too. You know, he's got that. Uh, you know, his brothers over there, so he's, he's got that understanding of their pay structure already. Um, I'm sure his brothers told him about, you know, hey. And, and it's a totally different game, man. Bellator to UFC. Of course, you know, the UFC is the bigger player. There's no question about that. More eyeballs, no doubt. Um, more, you know, just machine like system in the back where everything is just done, regimented. Uh, you know what to expect. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's laid out. Got the machine. Bellator. They're doing it with less people. They got a smaller staff, so things are a little bit, you know, f- they're they're different. The relationship is different. You know, it's it's definitely more like a family business, kind of like the UFC used to be years and years ago. Um, it's it's a small business, and so, you know, the way that Scott Coker and and the matchmakers over there and Kogan and Chu and you know just the way they handle things, it's different, man. It's it's different. They're gonna, you know, it's it's a it is it's friendlier, I would say. You know, I would say it's uh, it's a little more laid back. With that comes a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit less structure as well. You know, definitely, you know, less eyeballs. You know, there's not as many media outlets there, not as many, you know, television ratings, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's, ups, there's, there's, there's pros and cons, I guess, to both. But, as I said, you know, speaking again on spinning back, like, you know, I said, listen, uh... Make as much money as you can. Anthony Pettis has nothing to prove in terms of his skills as a martial artist, right? Absolutely nothing to prove. I mean, former WC champ, former UFC champ, gave us one of the greatest highlights of all time uh, in, in the Showtime kit. You know, has put on some fantastic performances over the year. Has fought all the killers. Um, He has nothing to prove. So if he wants to go, you know, fight at a smaller promotion and potentially face, you know, a little bit lesser competition here and there, I don't think it matters. Make as much money as you can. And it sounds like, um, you know, he's going to chase that money in PFL. And, and and he said maybe maybe do it at 155 this year and 170 the next and, you know, try different weight classes and chase that million bucks. And I think it's a great move for PFL. They've got to get some recognizable names in there. I like the PFL's format. Now, we haven't had it for a year, right? So it's kind of, uh, no, I don't want to say out of mind. Uh, hopefully, I mean, that's – That's been the PFL's biggest challenge, right? How do you keep eyeballs on your company when you're not hosting events? That's been a big, big challenge for them behind the scenes. And, you know, you can only make so much shoulder programming and, hell, even doing that stuff, right? I mean, you can't get out and film and you can't just send crews and do whatever. So, I mean, it's been a big, you know, a challenging year for them to keep interest high when they they have no events. But they've been doing the best they can, right? And I love their format, man. I really do. Um, It does take all the politics out of it, which is awesome. I mean, there's no, you don't have to worry about the trash talk. You don't have to worry about the selling this, the selling that, whatever. No, no, no. You just win fights and you're in. You know, and for the athletes, I really like that. Now, for promotion, it's kind of tough sometimes, right? But that's where their biggest challenge lies. And I think fighters like Anthony Pettis um, are are phenomenal signings. I mean, they've done they've done some great things, man. You look at some of the names they've picked up. They've they've done a great job of talent identification. Um, the Clarissa Shields thing was a big thing for them, obviously you know, not going to participate in a tournament, but still just to bring awareness. And that's the biggest thing for them. PFL, their format's fun. And I, I, I like their standings. I, I've said it in their earlier seasons. It's something fun about looking at standings, man. It reminds me of, you know, looking at box scores when I was a little kid or just, you know, looking at, at team tables like you do in other sports. Uh, you know, it's there is something fun about just looking at the standings, right? I mean – I don't know that you'd ever – I mean, we look at our rankings, right? I mean, you know, the rankings are all subjective, so that's kind of tough sometimes. So, you know, some people may look at the MMA Junkie rankings and think, wow, you do a great job. I love them. Sometimes you may look at them, and, and, and I think we get more of that than not in, like, the comment section and stuff and say, ah, these rankings are stupid. This guy shouldn't be there. This is terrible, da 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 da, da. And that's fine, I and mean, that's part of the fun of rankings, right? Like, especially when it comes, like, pound for pound and stuff like that. Like, you can't take it personal, man. It's kind of subjective. But with the actual regular season standings, it's not subjective, right? Like, it's just, it is there. Like, that is the points that were earned, the the rewards that were earned. I mean, I I dig that. Like, I like it a lot. Um, But you still, the, the format itself can't be the sell, right? And that's been a big part of the PFL, and I get it. You know, part of it's an education process. They have to explain to people what differentiates them. You know, why should you watch our product over something else? And so they have to do that, you know. So, you know, every press release talks about them being the only true sports league in, in mixed martial arts and that sort of thing. And and that's good. I mean, you you got to explain why you're different, What's why your product is unique. But you still need names, man. You still need names. You still need personalities. Like, this is a, a star... Driven, athlete-driven, personality-driven sport. I mean, we all love, we all love the sport. I mean, I assume anybody that's listening to this podcast, as we joke sometimes, you know, is 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 a fan of MMA. You know what I mean? And could really watch just about anybody fight, right? Uh, I could. I mean, I t- man, I, how many random fights have I watched over the years in a foreign language when I don't really know the people or what have you know? I've done it a lot. <laughs> um but it's even better when you when you know what's going on right like that's why i love commentating so much man it's not just about talking about the action like i love that little couple of minutes set up just as they're walking in and you know you're explaining you know what kind of run this guy's on where they came from what this means uh you know that sort of thing you know it's it's all that like you have to be invested a little bit um in, in something and it's either you know a lot of times it's Cause hey, that person looks like me. That person talks like me. That person likes what I like. That person represents me. Uh, or you know, it's, you identify with their struggle. You identify with their story. You identify with like, if you're from Lafayette, Louisiana, you're gonna like Dustin Poirier, right? Like you're gonna cheer for that guy every time he fights. You, you're gonna you're gonna that's your guy, right? Maybe if you're from anywhere in Louisiana, but definitely if you're from Lafayette, um, that guy represents you, right? That's one of you. But you don't have to be from Lafayette, Louisiana. Man, you see what he does. Who Dustin Poirier is as a man, you know. You see the way he treats his daughter. Um, you see the the charitable stuff that he does. That's another reason to like the guy, right? You know, he has another reason to cheer for the guy. That has absolutely nothing to do with fighting. Um, but you identify with the guy as a person, you know, and, and you're like, man, I like that guy. I want I want to see. I'm pulling for him here, man. I want to see this guy do good, you know uh you know sometimes it's you know good versus bad you know sometimes sometimes you know what, whatever it may be you know whatever it is you need that stuff to care and PFL will not succeed if the concept is the only thing they're selling it just won't work um it's it's uh i don't want to say it's entirely kind of like what like if you remember the the IFL back in the days like why did that not work out There's a lot of things you can point to but it's the same thing, you know, like just this cheering for this team or whatever. That's just a random team that's made up. Like, nah, that's not, that's not good. You know, and they, and they tried a little bit too late, I think, but you know, had it been, I think, you know, gyms, you know, you're watching extreme couture fight AKA, you're watching Jackson's fight ATT. Like that's cool, man. <laughs> like that's a cool concept. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're watching these gyms go at it. I can, I can, you know, I can get behind that. You know, it could even be their affiliate systems or, or whatever. Like, but you know, it's funny. I think Dana used to say the the angry beavers and the mighty woodchucks, or something like that. Which is such a cheap shot at the IFL, but it was so true, right? Like their team name. who cares? Like, what, what? Who are the people on these things? Like, what is their association? What are they? So all that to say that I like the idea of Anthony Pettis, the PFL. Now, I think for Anthony Pettis, he's going to say, look, man, I I see this as, and I I don't mean this as any insult, I I, I see it as maybe every fight I have won't be against an absolute monster, right? Like there may be some quote-unquote easier matchups. Now, are they? that's, That's up for debate, right? I mean, we all know that the UFC has the names, but we all, I would think, are educated enough to know that just because you're not competing in the UFC does not mean that you're capable of competing in the UFC. Does not mean that you're not um, elite level. Does not mean that you're not a bad. No, there's there's badasses competing in every organization in the world. You know what I mean? You, you don't judge quality just based on where somebody competes. But by and large, and if you look at our, our our rankings, you'll see, you know, the majority the world's top mma athletes fight in the ufc so by and large you're going to be facing a deeper roster and tougher challenges on a routine basis so um i would think that if you're anthony pettis i haven't spoken to him and i haven't spoken to his team about this yet um and I don't know that they would ever admit that publicly. Like, I don't think anybody would ever come out and be like, well, to be honest with you, man, we just figured it'd be some easier fights over there. We could still make the same amount of money, so we left. You know what I mean? I don't think that's necessarily the case. Anybody would ever say that publicly, but come on, it's got to factor in a little bit like, hey, man, this, you know, this, uh, this is probably a little bit, a couple easier fights here and there. Not every, not every fight, but maybe on, on the whole, a couple, a little easier matchups here and there. Of course, the million dollar prize is the end. That's meaningful. And to be able to do that, you know, in a year, that's, that's meaningful. You know, not, oh, you're chasing the possibility of. No, it's there. You win your fights. You're in there. Not you got to convince somebody, whatever. Now, what have they done behind the scenes? You know, I, I think it was said that, you know, they view this as a bit of a partnership. And I, and I would imagine that PFL probably had to come correct in the offer to get Anthony Pettis. But, but I'm saying it's a good thing. I don't view Anthony Pettis, regardless of his ups and downs as of late, I don't view him as a, as a washed-up product. You know, if it was a guy that was just a complete shell of himself. Like, oh, man. I, I mean, I hate to say this, but, like, if they had signed Anderson Silva, right? Like, that's not the Anderson Silva anymore, right? It's Anderson Silva. It's not the Anderson Silva. If you sign him, yeah, you're, you're creating awareness, and, yeah, you got one of the biggest – you know superstars in the history of the sport. You know bigger superstar than Anthony Pettis, but not in their current form, right? So I feel like Anthony Pettis is one of those guys when I mean, people know Showtime, right? They know Showtime. Casuals know Showtime. That's that's gonna peak your now. Now you got a reason to him, but you're still getting something out of it. So I think they probably had to come correct. Now does that mean that? You know, maybe they had to give them a promotional agreement where they're paying a little bit more money than than what you're going to see on the on the purses. You know, we know how they've got you know their pay system all figured out, right? But you know, maybe they maybe their regular season pay has got a little bit more money on the bottom line um, than some of the other contracts, or maybe you have a promotional agreement that's not seen, right? Kind of kind of going to be similar to the UFC, where maybe those those wages that you see really aren't indicative of what they're actually making. But I don't know. Maybe they had to do something. Maybe it's I mean, I would think part ownership would be a little bit much. Um, And I don't know if you'd want that if you're Pettis, right? Like, I mean, maybe you believe in the company, but, I mean, I think I'd rather have money in hand than to to bet on the financial future of the promotion when you can't control the whole promotion. I mean, yeah, you can do your part. There's only so much you can do. So I'm sure they had to make a pretty good offer, though. So I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a good signing. I really do. I think, you know, and PFL is getting it, man. They really are making the right things. They've got to get names that make people want to tune in. The concept is great, but the concept cannot be the entire cell. You can't expect an MMA fan to tune in just to watch a season. That's not going to happen. They need to have names to watch. They need to have people that they want to see compete. And I think signing uh, Anthony Pettis is a good move again surprised he didn't go to Bell Tour a little bit. A little bit. Um it was funny. I was I was doing the recording for uh uh for an interview Mike Bond did with Scott Coker and he asked about Anthony Pettis. This was the day before it got announced and it was kinda of funny. Coker was like, Oh, I I didn't realize he was a free agent. He's like, oh, I'm sure we've been talking like come on, man, you know he's a free agent. <laughs> I'm sure the guys have been talking to him. Um but yeah, especially with his brother being there, you know, he kinda of thought that might be a natural a natural fit, but you know I think that's what we assumed um, with Paige Van Sant as well, right? You know, oh, well, Austin's there. I mean, she's gonna sign. on. she went to be KFC. You know, you, you you gotta go. That you know, those family connections and those ties they mean something. But you gotta go, um, you know, where you get the best offer and where things are best for you. So, you know, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean fighting in the same promotion. And you know what, man? There's probably Sergio probably appreciations to you know appreciates it too. You know, he always came in and. Kind of under his uh his brother's shadow. That was that was inevitable. It was unfortunate, but it was inevitable. Um, and now you know he doesn't have to go back to that. You know, would that have upset him to go back to that? Uh, maybe it would have. You know? at <laughs> all. Now, now I'm just Anthony's little brother again. Like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, but man, you know Bellator's doing some good things too. You know they're they're gonna ramp back up in February. Let's like they're taking January off. So UFC is gonna be pretty much the dominant brand in January. Well, not pretty much. I mean, it's the dominant brand period. But as far as the schedule goes, uh, it's going to dominate that as well. And is going to start back in February, it looks like. And they've got some. They got some big opportunities. You know, this this uh, this light heavyweight tournament. Everybody's been excited about. I'll be honest with you. I I know it sounds crazy, but I don't think the light heavyweight tournament is the way to go to start out with all these new names that you got. I know you got Rumble Johnson there. I know you got Ul Romero in there. You know, you already got names. I mean, you look at – I know Coker likes to say that they have the best 205 division in the sport. It's worth an argument, I guess, in terms of discussing it, right? But, I mean, you look at our rankings, right? Like, check out the MMA Junkie rankings. John Jones, number one, of course. Jan Blahovic, number two. Dominic Reyes, three. But there's Nimkoff at number four. Glover to Sheriff, five. Corey Anderson, six. Ryan Bader, seven. Phil Davis, eight. So, out of the top eight, four are Bellator fighters, you know, granted the top three are UFC, so now you're looking at that, you know, kind of depth. Now you're talking about well, we don't have the biggest star, but we got more, we got more depth. You know, at least that top eight, it's split 50-50. But again, the top three, you know, go to the UFC. But then you know you go down, and, and that's 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 when you see the UFC depth, right? Because then it goes after that, it goes all UFC: Alexander Rakic, Anthony Smith, Alexander Gustafsson, Thiago Santos, Yuri Prochaska, Volkan Ozdemir. Magomed Ankalaev, even down there in the in the honorable mentions, Jamal Hill, Nikita Kroilov, Johnny Walker. I mean, come on, D- deep, 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 deep. But for any organization outside the UFC to have four of the top eight in a weight class, it's pretty damn uh, unprecedented in recent years. You know, you go back to the Pride era; we're talking about something different. But in recent years, that four of the top eight. So four of the top eight, and then you add in names like UL Romero, who is not ranked at light heavyweight, but is still uh, you know, a top middleweight. And 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 listen, him fighting at uh at light heavyweight is gonna be much better for him in terms of being able to fight more frequently, being able to be matched up with less notice because before he's always required a long time to get down, right? Won't need that anymore. But we got UL Romero at number five in the world. So Okay, it doesn't factor in at 205, but you got to think he'll make a splash there pretty quick. Anthony Johnson, of course, we know why he's not ranked in activity, but who doesn't want to tune in and watch Rumble Johnson fight, right? So, intrigue, man, I dig it. The thing is, though, and, and this is the thing with tournaments it's kind of interesting, and, and it's the downside of tournaments, right? I mean, you get eight people in a tournament, and it's exciting, man. You're looking at the field, and you're going, oh, You're imagining this matchup, and you're imagining that matchup, and you're thinking how it might play out, right? It's like, oh, this is sick, right? Okay, it is. But think about the logistics. You don't always get the matchups that you want to come together, right? Styles make fights, of course, and then some of it gets out of your control, and you you can't necessarily dictate how everything goes. Um, So you don't always get the matchups that you want. The other thing that's interesting about it is when you get done with a tournament, you have one guy that has gone 3-0 and has done something special, right? Then you have seven guys who all just took L's, right? I mean, you know, four of them lose right off the bat, two of them lose in the next round, and then the other one loses in the finals. So seven out of your eight, you know, exciting light heavyweights that are now coming off a loss. Now, you can get them back in the mix, and you can get them a win and whatever, you know, but it's it's just... If you get them fighting too soon, then you go. Well, what the hell are we even doing this tournament for, right? Like, if, if the guys that lose in the first round are matched up on the card in the finals, it, you know what I mean? It's just like, well, what are we doing this tournament for then? You, you kind of want it to be like the 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 winner stays on, and these things take a while, right? These, I mean, this is, the featherweight's different, first of all. Wow, eight man tournament, just go eight. <laughs> don't 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 go further. Um, but of course, COVID kind of screwed up the featherweight tournament for the Grand Prix, but it just seems like the Grand Prix drag on. So to me, I say, this first year, don't do it. Let's do a Bellator light heavyweight tournament next year. Bring those guys in. Get them some wins. You know, if you're going to do it, I know that may be risky with UL Romero because how much longer can he fight? Uh, Who knows? You know, like I said, light heavyweight is better for him. But – you know, maybe he doesn't have that much longer to stick around, but at least the light heavyweight, I think there's a chance that it's longer. Um, but I, I say, don't be in a rush to get into that tournament. I know it may sound a little weird, but I think you can get the, you can ensure that you get the fights that you want, ensure that you get the matchups that you want, and ensure you don't have seven of your eight guys coming off a loss if you don't do the tournament right away. Save it for next year. I think I, I I I think you should do the heavyweight tournament right now after you're tour. Why? Well, you got a whole bunch of names that nobody cares about right now. <laughs> if I'm being honest, with you, they got some ranked heavyweights too. You know, you, you you go through the heavyweight rankings, they got some solid names there, but just nobody really cares about them or is talking about them. You know what I mean? So that's that's problematic. You know, Congo, Timothy Johnson, you know, obviously Bader's in there. Uh, still your champion, uh, despite losing the light heavyweight title. Uh, Vitaly Minikoff, uh You know, you got some names. But I don't think people are clamoring for any fights. So to me, I would do the tournament at heavyweight, get people excited about some fights, get people excited about one or two of those names uh, as things progress. At light heavyweight, those fights are, are going to be big. If you match them up the way that you want to match them up, they're going to be big, and you can have more control over it. So uh, be interested to see what they do. All right, listen, uh, no and a half this weekend because we have no uh, no fights to, to discuss. Uh, but there are fights coming up, so i want to give you a couple things put on your radar just in case you, you're you not aware. I want to make sure nobody misses out. Um, Ryzen, get that on get that on your list. Ryzen is on New Year's Eve. Um, it's going to be on an online platform. I'll be honest. I don't know if it's on demand or how that's going to work. I hope it is because it's New Year's Eve. It's December 31st. It would start at midnight. On December 31st right so that would be midnight like 1201 Thursday morning if that makes sense so late late Wednesday night early Thursday morning right because it's late Thursday night in Japan that makes it early Thursday night here so um, if you're uh, like if you're here in Vegas and the west Coast like I am um, it would technically be starting at 9 p.m. on Wednesday night so you might be able to stay up and pull 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 an all-nighter uh, it does have 15 fights uh, if you look on the MMA junkie list you're only gonna see uh, the, we only list the MMA fights, um, and and there's we do the same thing with one championship. Um, just in case you've ever wondered like why we do that, we don't list like the kickboxing fights and Muay Thai fights. Number one because um, we don't have the, the kind of the database of, of all those athletes in there. We don't have them, I and mean, we could add them, um, but then you start you know having on the rec- basically we're not a big record site. Okay, leave that up to the shirt dogs of the world. The the tapology tapology is the one that we refer to the most uh, as officially. Um, so we just kind of list the MMA fights on there. So there are, it's already an intrigue fight. Kaya Sakura and Kyoji Horiguchi in the main event is a, I mean, that's a meaningful damn fight. It really is. And it's a hell of a fight. A rematch, of course. Kaya Sakura, uh, won the first one. Shocking upset over Kyoji Horiguchi to snap his winning streak. Um, but it was a non-title fight. Now Horiguchi ended up getting hurt, uh, relinquished the belt anyway. So, um, yeah, fantastic fight here, uh, in the main event. Um, and the rest of the card is solid as well. There's some other names on there that you might recognize, but two big ones that aren't on the MMA Junkie page um, because of the type of rules they are. Uh, Tension Nasukawa is on there. Tension, um, fun as hell to watch fight. You know, Things didn't go as well with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, but the guy is super, super fun to watch fight. He'll be in a kickboxing fight. Uh, Takenori Gomi is in there as well, man. The Fireball Kid is back, and he's doing a a, a special standing rules bout. So I don't know exactly uh, what the rule set is for that yet, um, but it's kind of a it was a late addition to the card. And uh, you know, come on, man, that's kind of reminiscent a little bit. We talk about Takenori Gomi, so uh, put that on your radar. Uh, our, our man Simon Head out there in England will will be uh, heading up that coverage just due to the crazy hour. I'm hoping it's on demand. Like I said, there's 15 fights. There's going to be two intermissions. Um, so that's, you know, those, those, those new year's Eve shows, man, they're, they, they run long. However, um, I do know that um, I was reading in one of the press releases that, uh, cause they are going to have fans at this event and uh, the trains have to shut down at a certain time to um, just because of the, the, the laws, the COVID laws are in place right now. So because of that, They've got to get things done um, by a certain time, so hopefully the pacing um, will be solid. Hopefully they'll they'll keep the pacing working well because they can't uh, they can't go past a certain deadline uh, because they got to get fans out of there and onto those trains at home. So that's that's for Thursday. Again, I apologize. I don't know if that's going to be available on demand. I hope so, um, but if you can stay up like we all used to back in the day do it man right it's the holidays. so get it get it in there we'll so i don't know what my schedule is going to be i think i'm off that day so i might just uh i think i'm burning the last of my vacation for the year so i might just end up staying up and watching Do the, do the old school hardcore fan thing right uh so if ho- hopefully we'll, we'll be up for that um i have to check my work schedule so put that one on your radar there's also on December 30th, the day before, uh, a Submission Underground event. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of Submission Underground, and this one got announced late. I don't know if 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 Chael Sonnen and the crew just decided to add it late, or if the UFC asked for them to to have some programming because you know there is such a gap in this three week events or whatever. I don't know, um, but they they are doing Submission Underground on uh, Wednesday afternoon, December the 30th. That's going to start. Uh, the broadcast will be at uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, your main event uh is is Ryan Bader um fighting for the uh fighting for the belt against Mason Fowler who has turned out to be an absolute stud this year man i've been enjoying um watching him fight uh Satoshi Ishii is back versus Craig Jones uh a couple other uh, uh crossovers. so definitely worth checking it out uh hopefully you uh hopefully you will enjoy it if you didn't watch the last one man it's <laughs> It was wild, man. It uh, I, Again, I, I love these things. The last one had a lot of MMA crossover. Um, Felicia Spencer was on there. Uh, Kevin Casey was on there. Brent Premis was on there. Anthony Johnson and Ryan Bader were on there. RDA and Donald Roney were on there, and it was fantastic, man. I absolutely loved it. Uh, they went to overtime. Cowboy uh, put RDA in an armbar. And RDA made as he was turning, he was rolling with it. He kind of made a little bit of a grimace, it sounded like, and also his hand—he uh, reached up to defend, to pull it away. But his hand, like, kind of touched the leg twice. It was—it was weird. He was reaching back over his head, trying to trying to peel the position away a little bit. But the way his hand landed, it kind of touched. It, it looked a little bit like a tap. Um, watching it live, I kind of thought it was a tap. And then I watched the replays, and I was like, no, nah, I don't think it was actually. Um, but Dave Hagan, the referee there, he says, no, nope, that's it, I'm calling it off. Uh, it was a submission, and RDA's like, come on, man, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. And he's like, ah, sorry, it looked like you did, and I called it, and we got to go. Okay, cool. Cowboy says, let's run it back. Let's, let's just do the overtime again. Let's let's do it. And uh, they came back into the overtime after the main event, which I thought was awesome. Uh, just, I mean, that sportsmanship right there. Like, hey man, you, you thought it was controversial. You say it didn't tap. Hell with it. Let's run it back and do it again. And and they did. They ran it back and do it again. And damn if if Cowboy didn't get him in another armbar and uh, no controversy the second time around. And uh, I don't know, man. I I, th- I just thought it was a cool moment, man, for for Cowboy to say, hey man. And obviously, look. I'm an unabashed cowboy homer. <laughs> I've said that from the beginning. I, I, I like the guy. I think he fits, you know, what we want as a fighter to anybody, any place, any time. I love that. And uh, he lived up to it. And uh, I just, I thought it was so cool. And, and uh, you know, to, to to give it back, say, uh, controversy, let's just do it again, man. No problem. You, you say you didn't, let's do it again. I loved it. So anyway, uh, I know submission grappling is not for everybody, but, hey, listen, we're, we're missing some MMA. So if you've never seen one, uh, I think the other one was, was worth going back and checking out, but if, if you want to just watch that one live, uh, wait till then and, and watch that one live. So uh, check that one out, and then uh, a couple other small things, just if you're looking to keep your schedule full. Uh, Fight Lore, check out Fight Lore. They got another. It's on UFC Fight Pass. They just released an episode on Kazushi Sakuraba and his time during Pride. Man, if you're an old school fan, it's, it'll be a trip down memory lane for you. Uh, if Sakuraba wasn't on your radar the first time around man, it'll, you'll get a chance to to kind of relive uh, and learn about what made the guy so great. You know, maybe you just saw at the end of his career when he was kind of, you know, broke down, man. His body went through a lot. Um, the guy's a legend, dude, a legend. And, and the battles with the Gracies, unbelievable, man. It really was. And You know, it's funny, a guy that came from professional wrestling. And I'll tell you what, as I've gotten older and as time's gone on, I, I used to really resent the the, the pre, pre, professional wrestling crossover, you know, I, I didn't like it. And I think a big part of that was because I lived, you know, I grew up in the sport during a time when, you know, people weren't sure, right? I remember, man. I mean, it's not that long ago that people were asking questions about about MMA and is that real? Is that? I'm like, yeah. It, I mean, that's still that. That's why it came up with the tagline, right? It's as real as it gets. And and I remember kind of resenting that. And I think that, to be honest, is is a lot of why Dana and the UFC really tried to steer away from any type of theatrics, right? Whereas Pride embraced it, man. It was over the top, crazy, you know, that Japanese style that we think of. That was it. You know, it was unbelievable. It was on a different level. Um, and, and the UFC kind of shot away from that. And I think it was kind of important for a while to differentiate what this was, to let people understand what this product was, what this sport was, to to let people get that, you know, this is not scripted. This is not theatrics, man. This is... As real as it gets for lack of anything better, right? Um, but I don't think that exists anymore. I mean, maybe there's some people that might think it's fake, but I don't think there's very many. I mean I think you'd have to be pretty silly to to, to think that this isn't real, right? Or there's something going on. So embracing a little bit of like what you can learn and and, and Sakuraba talks about it, you know, about why he kind of was the way he was, you know, had these big entrances, you know, he always had something unique with his entrance and um, just the way he conducted himself. He talks a lot about it. He said, you know, stole a little bit from professional wrestling and and the lessons I learned there. And, and you know, I think that's something that people can can definitely learn from. I mean, guys have over the years. I mean, you know, Chelsea Sonnen, obviously, um, you know, big-time pro wrestling fan who had no, you know, no reservations whatsoever, borrowing from the promotional side of it. Man, it worked out for him so well. You know, it still works out for him to this day. It's still a little bit of shtick along with his analysis, right? It's not just X's and O's that he brings to the table. People love him because of his personality, right? So hearing it from Sakuraba was great. Uh, you know, especially him talking about his rivalry with the Gracies because, you know, the Gracies have always been the the revered founding family of mixed martial arts, and, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, to them, to, to, to Sakuraba, he was – they were rivals, right? And so he, he treats them with a little bit less reverence uh, than I think the Gracies are normally given. So it's kind of funny to hear his side of it. Um, and 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 <laughs> it's just a small part of it. Um, but it's kind of funny to hear from Mark Coleman as he's talking about because he was the next fight. You think back to the legendary hour-and-a-half-long fight um, between Sakuraba and Hoist Gracie. And <laughs> Coleman was the next fight, and he's like, it's funny to hear him talk about like trying to figure out how to warm up. <laughs> how the hell do you warm up for a fight that ends up taking you know an hour and a half before yours? How do you how do you make sure your mind and body's right and all that? So uh, I don't know. It was good, man. I, I I love that Fight Lore series. I really do, man. I think the the Kimbo one was phenomenal. The one at Kimball Slice was amazing. Um, and this was fun as well, man. A trip down memory lane. And um, yeah, you know it's it's funny. I think the lessons there for for up and coming fighters. I mean. And even, like I said, my attitude is changing, too. I think you have to embrace a little bit of that kind of pro wrestling side of things. It's a fine line, though, right? Because you embrace it too much, then you end up with with Jake Paul versus Dylan Dennis, right? (sighs) Uh, Last thing, if you're just looking for something to fill your programming, uh, I I love podcasts, man. I really do, because I put them on when I'm in the background, when I'm doing stuff. Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV uh, cause I just can't have my mind like focused on that. I'm usually doing like 10 things at once, but I feel like podcasts, I can, I can listen to them while doing other things. Um, the UFC on there, it's on their unfiltered podcast feed. At least I haven't figured out if there's other places to get it, but that's where I first saw it show up. So the UFC unfiltered podcast, which, you know, hit or miss sometimes with UFC unfiltered, a little bit off the rails sometimes. And, and I feel like they don't talk about MMA as much as I'd, I'd like for an MMA show. Um, but they launched a, a new one called "Becoming a Fighter." Uh, Megan O'Levy hosts it. It's it's one of those real you know different type of podcasts, right? It's the produced style podcast, right? Whereas here we're just getting together and talking and going through topics and riffing. When we have people, when it's not just me riffing with myself. Uh, ooh, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is one of those more produced ones, right, where you're taking, like, a lot of uh, discussion and, and editing it down and adding in some sound effects and some, you know, setting it up and chapters. But, anyway, the first one's really good. It's on Ian Heinish. And I think, you know, by now we we all know the story of Ian Heinish Ian and how he got you know, involved in the drug trade and, and spent some time in prison, and that's where he kind of became saved and, and, and how he, you know, started crafting his fighting career. I mean, it's a story that's been told. Uh, so sometimes that when I feel – it's hard, like, right? Because, I mean, if you're a hardcore fan, you've, you've heard a lot of this stuff before. But I think the depth of it and him talking about it and be, being given – I think it's about 45 minutes or so, but being given that long to talk about things, whereas, like, you can have a conversation more than you – would write, right, I mean, I, I don't read a lot of, like, 5,000 word stories, or whatever, I'm just, I'll be honest, I mean, I just don't have time, or, or to, to read, like, lengthy, lengthy pieces, I, I do when I can, uh, not to say there's no value in long-form journalism, or anything like that, there is, but, for the most part, like, I'm moving pretty quick, videos, uh, you know, Everybody wants quicker, shorter, faster, you know, in and out, that sort of thing. So anyway, I, I like podcasts. I feel like you can really tell stories, and I, I just think the first one—I think they did a really good job. So again, in the absence of you know, normally, it feels like we got you know, belt tour on Thursday, UFC on Saturday, then maybe we mix something in. Maybe we got to Tuesday night as well. So like, you're man, you're barely able to keep up. But here we got a couple of weeks where the schedule's a little slow. So if you're if you're looking for something to keep your your MMA fandom going, uh, those are a couple of recommendations for me that you can check out that won't take a long time. So. Anyway, enough of me rambling, right? You're like, dude, it's Christmas day. You know, by the time this thing comes out, it's gonna be Christmas, and you're thinking, I just want to spend time with my family here, play with my new toys. I don't wanna have to listen to Morgan ramble. And you know what? <laughs> I don't blame you. Listen, we'll have the crew back together. Cold coffee will be back. We'll break out some of that lats. Keep brewing. You know, he gets a little. A little off kilter sometimes get that latchkey flowing, <laughs> which I think is why Anthony Beach says, I think he just said this, I don't even care, I don't even think he cares about plugging uh, his product so much out there, although if you are out in San Diego, definitely make sure you check out Latchkey Brewing, good friends of ours, uh, I don't even think he cares about plugging the product anymore, I just think he likes getting uh, a cold coffee a little buzz going with that crap beer and seeing what comes out of his mouth. <laughs> So we'll do that next year. I guess it'll be New Year's Eve when we get down to do it next time. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun way to kick off our New Year's Eve. And uh, until then, let me just say thanks for listening.